This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Judges chapter 16, go to verse 18. I'm gonna read some verses if you're new. We have been in a series called God Has a What? Anybody been encouraged by this series, God Has a Plan? And uh, we're in part four of this series. God has a plan declaring to you that God has a plan for your life. God, you don't have to make a plan because he already has a plan. And uh, we're in part four today. If you're new to church and you don't know where we've been or what we're talking about, I'm going to read a few scriptures and then I'll lay a groundwork, kind of a framework for where we're going today, where we've been, first of all, and then where we're going today. Does that sound okay? So just so we're all on the same page, we are reading an Old Testament. Testament book about an Old Testament character. Now what you say, what is the Old Testament? Old Testament is before the life of Jesus. Jesus begins the New Testament. Testament is just a word for covenant. This is the old covenant, the old regime, the old way of life before Jesus comes to this earth and creates a new covenant. By the way, at our church, we are very grateful for Jesus. Somebody say amen. And so this is an Old Testament character, an Old Testament book in the book of Judges, one of the first books of the Bible. I'm going to read a few verses and we're going to find this man, Samson. We're going to read today about the middle of his life. So this is the middle. I'm going to explain his whole life, but just a few verses today to encourage you. Does that sound good? Are you awake today? Have you had any coffee this morning? Let me see your hand if you've had coffee today. Let me just see. Look at all these. These are all wonderful people right here. I trust all of you with your hand up. If you have your hand down, I don't trust you at all. Okay. So just we're more like enemies. Okay. Um, Judges 16 verse 18 says, now when Delilah saw that he had told her all that was in his heart, she sent and called for the Lord of the Philistines saying, come up once more for he has told me, Samson has told me all that is in his heart. So the Lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before, just like all the other times, and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters, and Samson, he, this great man Samson, became a grinder in the prison. This is a fascinating, riveting story about a man in the Bible named Samson. Now, just to recap, so we're on the same page. In the first week of God has a plan, we talked out of the life of, of Peter, that God had a life, had a plan for the life of Peter. The second week we did Paul, and last week we talked a storm and a fish out of the life of Jonah. Today I want to study the life of Samson. Now, Samson is an incredible character that will bring much application to you and I today. Samson is a man in the Old Testament. He's one of the few people in the Bible, only four times throughout all of Scripture, does an angel of the Lord visit the parents to say your kid's about to be somebody? The only four times this happens to Isaac, John the Baptist, Jesus, and Samson. Samson's parents get visited by an angel of the Lord. They come to the parents and they say, your child 
is about to be a deliverer. At this time, historically in this context, Israel, God's people, God's chosen people, they're under the oppressive rule of the Philistines. This has happened seven times now. God wants to raise up a deliverer, Samson, to deliver God's people from the oppressive rule of the Philistines. So he speaks to the parents and he says, I wanna tell you, your kid is gonna be awesome. The angel is very descriptive, says to the parents, says, now I want you to, don't, don't, don't cut his hair. That's his strength. That's the secret to the sauce. Obviously, that's not my secret. That's why I cut my hair. Um, but... Don't cut his hair and you can't have no wine. You know this is like, this had to be God to tell the parent not to have no wine, okay? So this is a strict order from the Lord. Just a heads up, God does not talk to me that way. But um, God said, no wine, don't cut his hair. He's, he's gonna be great. So we pick up the life of Samson before he's born. Now, I just wanna fast forward the tape, just happy ending. I love Disney happy endings. By the way, I, I was in, in a hotel room the other day, me and Julia in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, and on the TV screen came Remember the Titans, the greatest movie that's ever been made. Can I get a witness in the church? I, I'm a Disney kid. I grew up on, I like happy endings. Anybody else? I, just, just, nobody raised their hand. Anybody else like happy endings? They're like, oh no, I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> Happiness, what's that? <laughs> but um, let me give you the happy ending. Just so you know, Samson, we saw where it got picked up, the end of his life. He goes down in Hebrews chapter 11 in the hall of faith. Samson, in the end, is accredited as a great hero of great faith. So he fulfills the call of God of his life in the end. But I want to talk today about faith for the middle. Sometimes it's not just the beginning of something that takes great strength or the end of It's the middle that sometimes in life is the great challenge. Maybe you're in the middle of a trial or you're in the middle of a test, you're in the middle of a marriage that's getting pressed, you're in the middle of your business being under fire, your soul could be under vex right now. I wanna talk about faith for the middle. Remember, the beginning of something is exhilarating because it's inspirational. The end of something is awesome because it's fulfilling, but I always know that it takes great faith to come through the middle. It takes great perseverance to have faith for the middle. Come on, anybody wanna be great, not just in the beginning and not just at the end, but come on, anybody wanna do what God's called him to do in the middle of the, 10 people wanna do this. Come on, anybody else? Want faith for the middle. I want to give you today's uh, message title, and you can just write down, because it's really what Samson's going to teach us today, the mess in the middle. The mess in the middle. I want to preach today about having faith for what can sometimes become messy middle that God will teach us from the life of Samson, who Jesus is in our life, and how we can overcome. If you'd be so kind, let's one more time, pray over God's word. Father, thank you for our church. Thank you for our community. Thank you for these times and this setting that we can get together, be strengthened and encouraged and reminded of who you are today. We say to our soul, we say to our circumstance that you are good, you are gracious, you are kind, you are loving, and you are all that we need. God, we are thanking you in advance for speaking to our heart and revealing your son. Open up our eyes so we can see Jesus. Open up our ears so we can hear the Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. And God, every week as a church, we are declaring 
a Super Bowl victory for the Los Angeles Rams. God, we know that there's only five fans of the LA Rams in the church, but we're partnering with those five fans in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, any Rams fans? Come on. All right, we got a little, there we go, 10 fans. We got faith for the LA Rams. Go Rams. Anybody willing to join because you don't care about football, join the Rams train. Okay, we're on the, we're, can't stop that Ram train. Woo, woo, woo. Okay, anyways. Um, um, a few years ago, my, my mom, she came to me, and, and my mom is awesome. For those of you that don't know my mom, uh, she'll be here in a couple weeks. She's, she's a beautiful, amazing, incredible uh, Hispanic lady. She is full. I am half. I am proud to be her son. My mom is a runner. She's addicted to running. She just, I don't quite get it. I'm like, Mom, you crossed the border. You got a green card. I don't get the whole running thing. We're good. You can stop running now. You're in Seattle. They're not going to come looking for you. But she just, she insists on running. She's a runner. She's, she loves it. She's obviously been doing it a long time. She loves to run. So my mom came to me a couple years ago on her birthday. It was her birthday. And she says to me, I said, mom, what do you want for, for your birthday? It's your birthday. I, I get you anything you want me to get on Amazon. What do you need for your birthday? My mom, she looked at me and she said, um, this year for my birthday, I would like for you to run the Seattle half marathon with me. And I'm thinking, I know your time and how fast or non-fast others would categorize your running. Okay, I'll do that. That's fine. I can, I can, I can keep, I can walk with you while you run. That's fine. And so, um, it's cause I got some gazelles and you don't have those. So let's just, I'll run with you. So, so it, it happened to be, uh, Thanksgiving weekend. It was a cold, cold Sunday morning. And, um, my mom and I, I'll never forget, I met her at her hotel. She was staying downtown Seattle. She was getting all ready and getting all the gear and we're going to run. I had no idea what I was walking into, by the way. So, so the, I'm getting ready to leave the hotel with my mom. My mom says to me, son, you can't bring your, your headphones, or your iPod. They don't allow that at these races. You cannot have headphones or iPods. I thought, mom, that's very interesting that they would force people to run 26 miles with no music, but I'm a man under authority. You're my mama. And okay, that's fine. So I leave the iPod at, at the house and the headphones and I get to the, the Space Needle in Seattle, the rock and roll marathon. When I showed up at the marathon, I had no idea that 20,000 people were going to be at the marathon. 20,000 people are at downtown Seattle. When I showed up at the marathon, nobody had told me that we were going to compete that day. Nobody told me that this was a competition. I had planned on running with my mom, but when I showed up, I was like, mom, deuces, I got to go. When they say start, I'm, I'm beating everybody, okay? I don't know what your time's going to be, but I know what my time's going to be. And I'm going to, so I start to stretch, you know, I'm trying to, I'm getting the hammies loose. I'm, I'm getting it all ready. I've never touched my toes in my life. I'm going for them though, you know, just I'm, I'm getting ready for this whole thing. So I'll never forget this as long as I live. When, when they said over the speakerphone, because it's 20,000 people, when it said on your mark, get set, go. I, the first mile of the race, the first mile was the fastest, greatest mile I've ever run. The first, I felt like I was floating in the air. I was just like, like just, it was the, we were running with 20,000 people through downtown. I felt like I could have like, I could have scaled buildings. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was so adrenalized when I started this race, I must've run a four minute mile. I mean, just boom, I just, I'm out the gate. Okay. I just, I, it was amazing. You gotta say, when you end a race, I'm, I ended a half marathon. When you end the half marathon in Seattle, the end of the race, you literally end up in an arena. I think these people are paid fans. When you get to the arena, 
arena. They have hundreds of people chanting your name. I think I'm on television when I make through. I'm waving to everybody. I'm like, Prefontaine, what? Hussam Bolt, what? I, I am the next greatest. I don't know what my minute mile was, but I just know I finished the race. I felt like a champ. I'm looking for the TV reporter that obviously wants to interview me. You know, like, I'm, I'm, I feel like the man. I'm excited. I'm coming through. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I finished the race. But can I be honest about the middle of the race? You ever be on mile seven with no headphones? When you're on your seventh mile running and you have no headphones and all you can hear is your own heavy breathing? Your mind goes to an obscure place on mile nine. When you're on mile nine, you start thinking about girls that broke your heart. You start thinking about tests that you flunked. You start thinking about things that happened in your childhood. When you're on mile nine with no headphones, I'm telling you, the, the beginning was awesome and the end was fulfilling. But the middle of the race, that's where the test came. I want to talk today about how our God wants to give you faith for the middle. Faith to persevere. That some of us, we love to start things. Or we're excited to end things. But the real test in life is how do you govern your calling and God's will for your life in the middle of your struggle? in the middle of your, do you still smile? Do you have perseverance? When, you're, when your arms get weak and your legs get heavy and you're short breath and you want to quit and you want to throw in the towel, come on, do you have persevering power? Come on, anybody thankful today that God will give you strength in the middle? Come on, he doesn't just start the beginning and he's not just at the end, but come on, anybody thankful today that he's the God of the middle? I love this story about the life of Samson. An angel of the Lord comes and speaks to the parents and says, your child is destined for greatness. I'm going to give you a few thoughts to write down. Hopefully they encourage you. And we're going to learn today from Samson's life. But write down the first one. Number one, he was destined for greatness. And let me just declare that to your life today. You are destined for greatness. Maybe, maybe no angel came and visited your parents. Maybe nobody's ever told you this before. But I'm telling you today, God has a plan for you. It's not obscurity. It's not calamity. It's not to punish you. It's not to put you in the back corner. God wants to flourish your soul. God wants to advance your life. God wants to promote who you are. God has a plan for you, and his plans is destiny. Anybody thankful today that you don't have to draw up a plan of destiny because God already has a plan of destiny. This is God. God has, I remember when, when Julia was pregnant with our first child, Georgia, our oldest, she's now four and a half years old. And when, when, when it's your first, it's so exciting. You know, you're so excited and you're pumped and you know, you, you, you've chosen the name and it's a girl and you're, you get, you're painting the room and you know you're the crib and all this stuff. And I remember when Julia was pregnant with Georgia, Every night, I would lay hands on her stomach and I would pray over my daughter, Georgia. And I don't know why to this day, I can never figure out, but I felt impressed in my spirit. I felt like God was leading me to pray over my child that our Georgia would have a global grace, that she would just have a grace all around the world. And I would, I would literally lay my hands on Julia's stomach and I would pray, God, use our daughter around the world. Thank you that nations are gonna come to know you through her life. And I thought, you know, at the time that, you 
you know, she'll be a speaker or a singer. She'll be a rapper like her father. What, what? Um, she, very vicious, mean laughs, but fine. Um, you know, I thought, you know, she'll, she'll, she'll be used in this way or that way. I had no idea. When we left the hospital, the doctor had told us over our daughter, she has a clean bill of health. There's nothing wrong with your kid. Little did I know that at four months of age, our daughter would be used with a global grace. That God would begin to use our Georgia at four months. She was destined for greatness. It was declared over her. Maybe nobody's ever told you this before. Maybe you don't have an awesome parent that has security in their soul to declare destiny over over your life. But let me as your pastor declare, you're destined for greatness. You've got an awesome future. There's something about you. There's something in you. There's something on you. There's something around you. Come on, I'm, I'm calling. You've been, you were made from greatness for greatness. There's great, greatness is in your DNA. You've got royalty in your bloodline. You are somebody. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. God, you're God's precious own. Anybody think thankful today that you are destined for greatness. Some of you, it's hard to believe that. Some of you, people have spoke such harsh, mean, cruel words over you. But let me erase what the enemies told you. And let me declare what heaven says. You're destined for greatness. You've got something about you. The, the angel of the Lord came to the parents and said, You're, this kid is dead. He's going to be somebody. He's, he's a deliverer. I, I know that the Philistines have been women, winning. But I'm going to raise up Samson. And Samson, he's destined for something. Samson grew up with the awareness that God had a plan for his life. Samson grew up with long hair, knowing that he had strength that was supernatural. Samson walked around a little peacock, a little excited about who he was, going, I know I'm not normal. I'm a cut above. I wish you'd have a little bit more confidence in your life. I wish you'd have a little bit pep in your step, going like, I know God, God with us, God for us. God is for me. God is, I wish you'd have a little bit holy confidence. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. In other words, when you know God. You got confidence. It's not man's confidence. It's holy confidence. Samson walks around destined for greatness, knowing something unique is about me. And Samson in his youth and in his adolescent years, somehow, some way, with such a great call on his life, something happens where he gets distracted by his weakness. Can you write down number two? Even though he was destined for greatness, he was distracted by his weakness. In fact, watch what it says here in Judges chapter 14 and watch what the Bible says about Samson getting distracted. It says, now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of Philistines. Hold up, wait a second. Daughters of Philistines, that's the enemy. This boy's a Hebrew boy. He's an Israelite. But he sees a Philistine woman and he gets attracted to what God has forbidden, what God has said no to. He's, something catches his eye and he goes, that's what I want. So he went up and told his father and mother saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of our enemies, the Philistines. Now, therefore, go get her for me as a wife. Then his father and his mother said to him, wait, wait, wait. Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? In other words, the father says, hold up. Can you not, son, go fishing in your own pond? Can you not find a wife here at Zoe Church? <laughs> Hello? 
And Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well. I'm telling you, he got distracted by his weakness. Can I ask you a question today? Have you been able, able to identify what is your weakness? What is the weak thing in your world? Maybe you have a weakness for spending money that you don't have. Maybe you have a weakness for women. Maybe you have a weakness for losing your anger. Maybe you have a weakness of an attitude issue. Maybe you have a weakness towards rebellion. Maybe you have a weakness of not stewarding your life well. What is the weakness of your life? Because we look at Samson and we go, oh man, ain't he a dog? Ain't that just like a dude? He got a weakness for women. Man, I know so many guys, they can't get over the girl thing. Oh, I've got this girlfriend and she only dates bad dudes. She has a history of dating the dumbest, most irresponsible man. That's who my friend dates. Don't point at your girl right now. I see some girls being like, don't do that. But, but, but it's easy to, 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 to write off people in their weakness, but can you tell what your weakness is? Do you know what pushes your buttons? Because I'm telling you, that Satan always knows the bait to throw your way, to, to lure you into your weakness, to, 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 to take you into places that you should never be. Samson had a weakness for women. He loved the ladies. He loved the women. He, and, he, and he loved the wrong women. It's amazing. What do you do in life when you're in love with what God has said no to? What do you do in life when you're addicted to the thing that you know is going to take you out. He, Samson knew. He, his father's trying to talk sense into him. Samson, Samson, Sam, Hassan, son, don't you fall for that woman. That's the enemy. That's the enemy's camp. That's going to cost you more than you ever want to pay. That's going to make you stay than you uh, stay longer than you ever want to stay. That, that, don't, don't go there, son. That will hurt you. But he was distracted by his weakness. What is the weakness in your life? What is the thing that is going to, if you can't get over it, you'll always be under it. What is the thing that is is going to hurt you and take you out down the road because you can't get over your weakness. I'll tell you, let me come clean to our church today what my weakness is. I have a weakness for peanut M&Ms. Coming clean. Pray for me. It's the hard shell. It's the milk chocolate. It's how they lodged a peanut right in the middle. And I want to confess, I've, I've eaten a lot of it. We were at the movies the other day. We we're watching a movie and I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. No, you're not. <laughs> You've got popcorn and soda and you're, all your kids candy. You're fine. Okay. You don't, you're not going to do it. And I'm like, just, finally I looked at my wife and was like, I'll be right back in the middle of the movie. I was like, because I, I knew that, you know, it's not the small bag at the movie theater, it's the bigger bag at the movie theater. So I had to go and get it. And what, but let me just ask, what is your weakness? What is the thing that you always fall into? What is the thing that has your number that you can't get over? I have, a, I have an attitude. I have a, I'm, I'm, I'm rebellious. I'm, I'm, I get offended easily. I'm, I'm, I'm greedy. I'm, I'm, I'm gluttonous. It, it, it's amazing. We have, we have sympathy for, for people that have the same struggle in us, but we're disgusted by people that have the wrong sin. Oh, oh how dare you got a, you got an issue with women in that something, but I can always have compassion for myself. I can always justify my problem. 
Samson had a weakness with the women and his parents tried to, to talk him out of it. And watch, watch how it just gets him. I'm, this is so riveting to me. He's called by God, destined for greatness. He's got a weakness for the women. So he goes down, he tells his dad, I want this woman. Now, now, now the, the dad tries to talk sense to him, but can't, can't do it. So they have a wedding. They get a wedding, they have the festivity, they get the photographer, the cake, the, 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 the dress, the suit, the whole thing. They, they take the photos, they post the IGs, you know, they do the whole thing. They have a great wedding, they have a whole ceremony. He's got his best man, she's got her maid of honor they have the ceremony now 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 this is the this is his enemy he's 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 partying with his enemy by the way it is a weird thing to be involved with your enemy so he's with his enemy and watch what happens the bible says that he's married to his enemy now and 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 he said he points out a riddle he says now if you figure out the riddle i will pay you x and he names his price but if you can't figure out the riddle you're going to pay me x so his wife who he has just married and went on a honeymoon with his wife comes to him of the philistine she comes and she says babe i know you're going to tell me your secret right you're going to tell me the riddle right i know we're married we tell each other everything and you're going to tell me the secret right and and because remember Whoever you tell your secrets to, that's who has your heart. So he tells his secret to his wife, his, his, his new lover, his, his newlywed wife, he tells the secret to. She goes back to, the, to where she's from and she tells the riddle to the Philistines. The Philistines come, they solve the riddle, he gets burnt, he gets betrayed, he gets hurt, he gets abandoned. Ha have you ever had somebody hurt your feelings? Have you ever th had somebody you thought you were close to, but they turned their back on you? Have you ever been stabbed in the back or talked poorly about behind your back? She betrays his trust and watch what happens. He has to pay the amount and the Bible says in Judges chapter 14 verses 19 and 20 that he literally goes back home with his tails between his legs. He is defeated. Watch what it says. It says stalking out, smoking with anger. He went home to his father's house. Samson's bride became the wife of the best man at his wedding. This lady is so deceitful. She tells his riddle. Then when he bounces, she marries the best man. Oh, snap. <laughs> Mom and dad were right. Shouldn't have gone there. But he was called by God. Then he was, he, was, he was distracted by weakness. And then right down number three, he was delusional with pain. Sometimes pain, it can cause you to do some dumb things. Sometimes pain, it can take all your rationale and throw it out the window. Some, when you are hurt, you cannot make right decisions. Samson, in all of his pain, you would have thought when he went back home that he'd learn his lesson, but watch what he does. The Bible says that Samson, he got burnt by the first wife, but if that wasn't enough, he goes back and he finds a different Philistine woman. This time her name is Delilah. If you don't get healed from your issues, you're going to repeat the same thing. Sometimes sin, it will blind, blind you and then it will bind you. What happens, this guy gets so hurt that he gets delusional in his pain and he can't make a rational decision. He goes back to the same area, gets another girl, goes back to the same. Isn't it amazing in life that some of us, we keep repeating the same mistake over and over and over again. We can't get over our issues. We can't get past from our past. Why? Because if you don't get healed, it's going to kill. The thing that you cannot get healed 
healing from, it will be the thing that ultimately takes you out. It will be the thing that annihilates you, silences you, puts you down. I'm telling you today, Samson was delusional with pain. When you're in pain, everything goes out the window. When you're, you can't think right. You're, you're not sober in your mind. You're all stirred up. When you're in pain, you'll, you'll, you'll do anything in the moment because you can't think right. I remember a few years ago, I, I sprained my ankle so bad, I, I tore all the ligaments in my, in my foot. I, I, I'll never forget it. And I had to go to you know, physical therapy for a very long time. But I remember the pain being so excruciating that I, I literally, I couldn't think of anything. I just, I, I just wanted it to end so bad. I just, the pain was so, it was, the pulse and the feeling and the, I just felt like, oh gosh, it just, it hurt. I couldn't think right. Some of us, you have so much pain in your world that it's hard for you to make a sound, wise decision. And Samson was so delusional in his pain, he ran home in anger. His best man took his wife that he would end up coming back to repeat the same mistake. Let me encourage you today. If life has been difficult and you've been experiencing pain, the first thing that you have to do is get healed from your issue and healed from your wound so you can step forward into your destiny and God-given potential. But so many of us, we just keep going, don't we? And Samson, he's like, oh, I'm fine, I'm called. Oh, I know it's my weakness, but I'll be good. And he gets in bed with Delilah and watch what Delilah does. It's amazing to me that the reason why Delilah is even an option for him that the Philistines, who he's supposed to conquer, remember, he's got a call in his life to take these people out. The Philistines knew. They go, hey, hey, check this out. Samson has a weakness for our women. So they hired Delilah. It was not passion or romance that made her choose Samson. It was greed. She comes to Samson and she slowly chips away at his character. Slowly erodes and breaks down his wall. And pretty soon, before you know it, Samson is telling this woman from the Philistines the secret to his success, the length of his hair. It says while Samson's head is in her lap, she lulls him to sleep. Because isn't that what the enemy does to all of us? He just lulls you to sleep. And in his lulling to sleep, they shave his head and they capture him. Now, it's interesting to me when they take Samson away that not only have they captured him and brought him to prison, but did you notice what they do? They gouge out his eyes. I'm believing that for most of us, we're aware that the enemy, what he really wants to do is he wants to take away your vision. Because if he can take away your eyesight, if he can take away your vision, he knows that you'll never fulfill your call. You'll never walk in your destiny. So the first thing they do is they don't cut off his hands. They don't take away his feet. They take away his eyes. Because the enemy wants to take away your vision. Because vision is what you see God doing in your life. Vision is what you see. You go from being able to see to being able to, now you're blind. And so the enemy wants to blind you. So watch this. Number one, he was destined by greatness. He was distracted by weakness. He was delusioned by, by pain. And right down, number four, he was debilitated with regret. I'm going to invite the worship team to come, but watch Samson. Samson is now in prison with no eyeballs. He cannot see. 
the great mighty Samson of the Lord who the angel said is going to do this, that, and the other. How in the world did he get to a place where he's got no eyes, he's chained, he's in bondage, he's, he's, he's in prison? Come on, some of us today, you know God has called you to do something, but there's been a series of mistakes that somehow you find your life in a world of regret. I remember talking to a guy in our church this last year and I remember his words being so profound to me that he literally said to me, I never imagined my life ending up here. How did I end up here? How did I get to this place? I, no, 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 it's not, this is not how life is supposed to go. This is, this is, no, I'm called, I'm anointed, I'm, I've got destiny. Why do I keep going to the place I shouldn't go in? And now it's cost me, I'm in bondage and I don't have vision for my life. And no, this is not it. This is not, this is not the God dream. This is not the God plan. This is not how I'm supposed to be. Some of you today, you're filled with regret. And I know we're supposed to be in our culture. Hashtag no regrets. You know, I don't regret anything because what I did, it made me who I am. And all that is fine for Instagram. But in your reality, when you put your head down at night, you and I both know that there's regret. Regret of bad decisions. Regret of nights that you should have gone home. Regrets of things that you said that you shouldn't have said. Regrets of places that you've gone that you should never go. Come on, sometimes we got to be honest and say, I regret some things that I know I should have never stepped into, that I never should have said out loud, that I never should have told my secret. And now here's Samson and his life is filled with regret. But Samson knows that as long as he has a pulse, He's still got a chance. No eyes. Bound. You know, they would bring Samson out, the Philistines, his enemy. And the, he would play before him. They would mock him, make fun of him. One time, the Philistines had gathered. Traditionally, you know, they just pull him out and, hey, remember that guy that used to be so great that is a shell of his old person? Bring out Samson. Samson's out and he's performing for him. He's going, you know, God, if you give me just one more chance, because I know I'm destined for greatness. So in the end of the life, would you write down number five? He was determined for redemption. He was saying, I know that my redeemer lives. I know that our, my God is a God of second chances. I know I made a mess in the middle, but I believe that my God, he can make a message of my middle. And I'm believing that God, everything that I broke, everything that I hurt, everything that I damaged, I believe that God, he can redeem it right now. He calls the servant boy over to him in Judges chapter 16 and watch what he asked this, this servant child to help him with. Then saw Samson, he called to the Lord. He said, oh Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, oh God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines from my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple and he braced himself against them. One on his right and the other on his left. Watch what happens. Then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might and the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at the, his death 
were more than he had killed in all of his life. Come on, God said, I know that you still got greatness in you. I never changed my mind from the first time that I spoke to your parents. And I believe that I'll give you another shot. Come on, in the end, Samson, he was determined for redemption. He said, God, just this once, I know the righteous may fall seven times, but they can get back up again. Oh, come on, is there anybody thankful today that you might make a mess in the middle, but in the end, God, he'll give you chance after chance, beginning after beginning. And I read stories like this. And I think to myself, sure, you can have one last huge final victory. That's cool and all. But for me, Julia, Zoe Church, I don't want to live a life with just one final victory. I want to live a lifetime of little small victories along the way. I want the middle of my story to be marked with saying he got up every day and he received grace and he received joy and he received love and he received comfort and he received forgiveness and he walked with Jesus. He was earnest. He was resolute. He knew, he knew that there was destined. He was destined for greatness. Come on, is there anybody here today that says I don't want just one huge climactic final victory. I want to live in victory every single day. I want to obey God. I don't want to be distracted with my weakness. I don't want to be delusioned with pain. I don't want to be debilitated with regret. I want to live a life for Jesus. My life is God's. I'm living for the King. I'm living for His glory. It's not just going to be a mess in the middle of my story. It's going to be a message in the middle of my story. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you were inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.